just want to once again invite you just to take a deep breath, just all the way in and all the way out. Just take another deep breath all the way in and all the way out. And Lord Jesus, we ask that you as Prince of Peace would be made known to us right now. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the grace that has so surrounded us in ways we don't even know. And Lord, you are holy, and you are the one who saves, and you've come tonight to save us. And Jesus, I just pray that we would open our hearts to you, Lord, that you would walk among us tonight. You would quell any areas of fear, any areas of distraction, any hardness in our hearts, Jesus. We, we pray that you would soften our hearts and give us, give us hearts of flesh. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, and I pray that you would gently breathe upon us. Father, that you would bring us home, that you would reconcile us to yourself. And once again, Mother Mary, you who are all beautiful, Mother, you who are the one who stood at the foot of the cross with a heart of forgiveness and a heart of mercy and a heart of intense love, I pray that you would intercede for us tonight in a very special way. And once again, we turn to you, sweet mother, as a family, as we pray from our hearts. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may have a seat. Well, good evening. Good evening. How lovely to see you all again. Is there any, this is probably a long shot. Is there anybody who has a seat next to them that's still open? Any, oh, oh my gosh. Y'all look at that. Okay. So if, if you all want to, somebody wants to sit by a total stranger that you don't know for an hour, you're most welcome. Okay. So if you want to sit, there are seats available for anybody who wants to. Okay. You're, you're auctioning it off. That's a, that's a high price. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I make a little money. It's called entrepreneurship. That's what we do here. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, I am delighted. How many of you, this is your first night here? How many of you, this is your first night? Hey, you're most welcome. You're most welcome. And so we're going to uh, do a little recap of what we talked about last night. As I shared with you last night, I have a bit of a PowerPoint for you. And, um, but if there's anything on the screen that you can't read, you do not have to worry because I will read it to you. So we'll all be okay. I told you a little bit of a nun story last night of me in Seattle, Washington in a grocery store. I have tons of nun stories because when you go out in public dressed like this, interesting things happen to you all the time. Okay, so I have to tell you that just there, when people, go, when you go out in public like this, people just, they automatically stare at you because you look a little different, okay? But there's different kinds of stares. If you don't know that, there's different kinds of stares. So there's the kind of stare that they're staring at you, and then when you look at them, they quite, just politely look away, like, you know, kind of like that. And then, um, then there's the kind of people that you stare at them, and they just stare back at you, okay? And then there's the kind of people that are not even trying to hide it, y'all. They're like, okay. So... I know that, you know, I'm used to this because I'm dressed like this for a long time, but I know that things get a little different, a little different around Halloween. Can I just tell you that right now? Okay, so, true story. So here I am in Florida, minding my own nun business as I am when these things happen to me, and I'm standing by the Halloween candy, but I don't realize that. I'm just, you know, doing my shopping list, and, and I'm standing there, you know, going through my list, and I can feel, have you ever felt somebody staring at you? Like, you can feel them, like, boring their eyes into the side of your head. So I can feel somebody staring at me, and once again, I'm trying to figure out, like, like what do I do, you know? So I look up. I'm just going to talk to this person because clearly they're staring. So I, I look up, and there's a man probably about 45 years old, like, from me to you, and he's just full on. 
And I said, hi, <laughs> like, hello. And he walks right up to me and he says, that's a very detailed Halloween costume that you're wearing. <laughs> I said, oh, I said, you know what? I'm not dressed up. I said, I'm actually a real nun. And he was like, aww. And he walked away. I don't know if he wanted this fabulous polyester number on aisle seven. I'm not really sure. Okay, but you get, I'm like, God bless you, sir. Okay, so all kinds of things happen to you. So just a little recap of what we talked about last night. We talked about healing and mercy. And this is the part where my PowerPoint doesn't work. Okay, so I'm just going to review this up here. Try again. All right. Um, let's go here. There we go. So we talked about kind of where we come from and where we're going tonight. So we talked about the desires that lead us into God. So we talked about the moments that we wish would never end. We talked about the heart, and I read you a bit from Dietrich von Hildebrand about his, his treatise on the heart and on human and divine affectivity. And I'm going to pick up again on that tonight. We talked about how God draws near to us, right? And every time and in every place, God, even now, even now as you sit here, that God is drawing near to you. And can I just ask you this, just out of a show of hands, when I asked you last night just to be very attentive to how God was drawing, going to draw near to you today or a way that he would encounter you today, how many of you honestly just had a bit more of awareness today of how was God was drawing near to you in your life? Okay, good. A few of you, yes. Because God is always speaking to us and he delights to be heard and he's always pouring out his love into our lives. So how he draws near to us at every time and in every place how he continually forms and fashions our lives at every moment. And then we talked about the painting at the end of Our Lady with Eve, and we saw Eve clutching an apple with a bite out of it, which what we talked about in art is synonymous with sin, and she's clutching it to her heart. And we did a bit of a meditation on what are you clutching? Like, what are you clutching in your heart, to your heart, and clinging onto it at all cost? And the funny thing is, many times, is that when we do this, we know it's not good for us. <laughs> And yet somehow we make friends with it. Have you ever made friends with something that's really destructive? It's very interesting. And we cling on to it at all cost. And sometimes we do that out of a fear of what might happen if I let go of this? What might happen if somebody saw this? What might happen if the Lord saw this? What, what would happen if he set me free? And it's very interesting. Many times we make friends with the things that are destructive that we know, which is to us more safer than the things that we don't know. But what the Lord is doing is he's coming into our life to set us free. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about especially the areas that keep us stuck. Because all of us in life get stuck at times with certain things. You know, and we see that in families. You know, I'm sure at Thanksgiving you had a family reunion and, you know, you guys all get together. And many times in families there's a situation where Aunt Sally 20 years ago said something to your kids. And your kids are not playing with her kids anymore. Thank you very much, right? And the family is divided and everybody talks about everybody else, you know. And we see these wedges that are they're just put into families, into hearts. And we wonder why, you know, at the world is at war out here. The world is at war out here because we're at war in here. And the line between good and evil runs down the heart of every single person. Every single person. So like we talked about in our life, the decisions that you and I make every single day, whether for God or away from God, whether for love or away from love, every single decision that we make has a reverberating effect that goes out from us. So in a sense, like as a family, in a sense, like we owe it to each other. We owe it to each other to allow God to transform us. And people ask me all the time, all the time, sister, what can I do to be a better husband? What can I do to be a better priest? What can I do to be better to my coworkers, to my children, to my grandchildren? What can I do to be better? 
and I say this every single time and I'm saying it as much to myself as I'm saying it to you and I fully mean it, the best thing, the best thing you can do to be a better spouse, to be a better parent, to be a better coworker, to be a better disciple, whatever that is for you, the best thing you can do is allow Jesus Christ to come into your heart and heal you every single day. Every single day. Because that's the nature of love, right? And I tell you this, one of the things that keeps us bound, that keeps us clutching on to these areas of our life and keeps us clutching, and we heard, if you went to Mass today, if you read the Gospel for the Mass today, you heard it yourself from the Gospel of Matthew, when the disciples asked the Lord how to pray. Like, what, how do we pray? Like, like, you know, John's disciples taught him how to pray. Lord, how do we pray? And out of all the things that Christ could have said, he never wasted words. Out of all the things that Christ could have said, he talks about our Father who art in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and what? Forgive us our trespasses as what? That's a very serious thing. That's very serious. And in Matthew, Jesus goes on to say, if you do not forgive the sins of your brothers, the Heavenly Father will not forgive you. If you forgive them, he will forgive you. But if you don't, then he won't forgive you your sins. And that's very, like, that's very, very serious when you think about that. Because when we talk about forgiveness, I, I love C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis has a lovely quote about forgiveness. And he says this. He says, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive, right? So somebody comes up to you and they're like, they're telling you a story and you're like, you know what, you should really forgive that person. They're like, how about you forgive your aunt? You're like, well, we're not talking about me. Like, we're talking about you. And I think you really should forgive that person. And it's very easy for us to kind of use forgiveness as just mere words or to say it and not mean it or just to not even understand what it means. And I tell you this, one of the things, I'm a recovering addict, I mentioned that at some of the masses and I won't tell you my whole detailed story this evening, but one of the things that kept me addicted and kept me sick and kept me broken for so many years was because I had a profound misunderstanding of what forgiveness was. Because we have a silly saying in English that says what? Forgive and forget. Did you know it's interesting? It's just brain science is fascinating. Did you know that your brain records every experience you've ever had? And that you every single day have 50,000 thought fragments that go through your mind every day. 50,000. You know, when we talk about, there's a saying that was like, oh, I lost my train of thought. You know, like, a lot of those trains are pulling into the station, you know what I'm saying, in our minds, 50,000 of them. And you do not have to get on every single one that comes into the station, you know? And have you ever done that? All of a sudden, you, you wake up in the morning, and you're just a little bit grumpy or a little tired, and all of a sudden, you know, you go, you go to work, and your coworker comes in, and they're always late, and you're sitting here just going, man, they're always late. And they always bring that crinkly bag. Why do they have to crinkle that bag every single day? That's so irritating. And an hour later, you hate every single person. Like, it just goes downhill, you know? It's because we got on a train of thought, and our thoughts are taking us somewhere, and our hearts are taking us somewhere, because we don't understand that everything is in here is recorded. It's in here. And don't you find it so fascinating that of all the billions of experiences that you've had, you only can recall really relatively few? Isn't that very interesting of how the brain works? So your brain is constantly trying to keep you safe. It's constantly scanning the horizon for future threats, and it's constantly trying to keep you safe. Your brain does not have the capacity in and of itself to forget something. But check this out. I love it. In the catechism, it talks about a very beautiful reality. It says that we do not, many times in our life, we do not have the power to forget something that somebody has done. But... But through the continued transformation of the pain, the pain turns into intercession for the one who has hurt us. That is the power of forgiveness. That is the power of restoration. That is the power of your life and my life that nothing that has ever happened to us 
or nothing that we've ever done is beyond the mercy of God, the healing power of God. So I just want to say to you, as you sit here tonight, and you will have memories come to your mind, and you might be sitting here tonight thinking of something in your life saying, I don't know how to get through this. I don't know how my marriage is going to survive. I don't know how that's going to happen. I want to tell you this. This is not the end of your story. It is not the end. And everything, everything that has ever happened to us, everything we've ever done, God allows, he brings, he allows to happen in our life, and he will transform it if we surrender it to him. Everything fits into his hand, friends. And I know from my own journey, how many of us for so many years have been punishing ourselves over something we've done for a long time ago, and somehow we think that's what the Lord wants, and that is not his desire. His desire is to reconcile us to himself, to forgive our sins, to reconcile us to, our, to himself, and then to bring us into reconciliation and forgiveness with other people, okay? So if I could just kind of explain how this works for you, just to kind of help you on your journey, there's a reason why you feel the way you do. So when you have certain feelings, when you walk into a room, you have certain feelings. When you meet certain people, you have certain feelings. And have you ever had a moment where you're talking to somebody and you're feeling a bit anxious or you're feeling a bit irritated, and you're saying to yourself, this doesn't make sense. Actually, it makes perfect sense, okay, because your brain, like we said, is always recording something. So let me just give you a little teaching. It's from Aquinas and kind of the emotions on how they work. Our emotions, we're given our emotions to move us. So we have the faculties of an intellect and a will to, to see what is good and to choose what is good, to choose what is good, to choose what is good, true, and beautiful. And our emotions, the root word meaning emote, are to power us to choose what is good, true, and beautiful. And they always have an object, so uh, emotions are about something. There's a reason why you feel a certain way. It's your heart trying to tell Your heart is always, always, always trying to tell you something. Ideally, in their purest form, the emotions are good, and they're powering you toward what the natural law, to do good and avoid evil. Even things like anger, which we're going to talk about tonight. Anger, I think, as, as human beings, is one of our most troubling emotions. Because we talk about disordered anger and we talk about what ordered anger is. And for many times we feel angry and we're not really sure what's happening. But anger in its purest form is given to us to right what is wrong. And you look at Christ in the temple when the, when the money changers are in the temple and they're, you know, selling things. What does he do? The guy goes in and he flips over all the tables. He's not like, oh. <laughs> he comes in and just cleans house. And he says, don't turn my father's house into a den of thieves. Don't do that. You see the, the virtue there, the emotion of anger to right what is wrong. It's a healthy thing. And when um, anger is used that way in a healthy way, it actually cleanses and it heals. But for a lot of us, that's just an example. In our lives, we've had a, a experiences of emotions. We all have on this side of heaven, right? This side of the fall as well, that have led us in different paths, okay? So emotions are about something. They move us toward something and away from something. So say, for example... I'm not afraid of heights, but if I was, the higher I got on the stage, I'd be getting a little bit afraid, okay? And rightfully so, because it would really hurt if I fell face first off the stage, okay? So the, my emotion of fear, for example, is telling me that there's a danger present to help me to choose what is good to stay up here and not to fall off. It's a healthy and it's a good thing. But sometimes what happens is our emotions get muddled. They get, they get, um, they're wounded in how we, are expressed that, how we express them. So let me give you some examples of like what a healthy example of sorrow would be in some of the emotions. These are not obviously exhaustive. But in your life, what's happening in your life? So we ex ex for example, we experience the emotion of sorrow when we're left out or ignored. Um, I think one of the stories I hear a lot from people, and we've all had that. Have you, did you ever have an experience in childhood? And sometimes we laugh at this, but have you ever had an experience of childhood where you were the last person to be picked for sports? 
right? Remember that awful thing where you're all standing against the fence? And all, like, the cool kids are picking teams, and you're like, I hate this. You know, you're, like, you're standing against the wall, and it's like kickball, and, like, they're picking, I want him, and you're like, oh, pick me, oh, you know, and it's like you're the last person to be picked. And for some of us, we've had that experience over and over and over and over and over again. And I, I love listening to podcasts. I'm a total nerd. And so there's a really popular podcast out by a guy who was a former professional athlete. He's like 6'4", six, 6'6". Six, six. But he has a story when he was in fifth grade. When he was in fifth grade, he was already six feet tall, okay, and had not grown into his height. And he is, he's not Christian by any means, but he was, it was such a great awareness of his own self-awareness to talk about sorrow that he was standing against the fence, and he said he was the last person to be picked. And he was like, not just the last guy to be picked. All the girls were picked first, and then it was him, you know? And he just talked about how wounding that was for him. And many times, you know, we kind of make light of those things, but we, we don't understand. Those have, very, they, those have areas of deep power over us at times because they speak things to us, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. So say, for example, the emotion of desire when you're missing somebody that you loved or you're wanting to be included, fear, like you might fall off the stage or you might fail or be made fun of, joy, like good time with friends or succeeding at an endeavor. So our hearts are always trying to tell us something, okay? So in the work on the heart that Dietrich von Hildebrand wrote that I was reading from you last, to you last night from his book, he was saying that when the heart is ordered properly, okay, it doesn't veer into sentimentalism, you know, like we talked about, you know, this, when we talk about the heart, we're not talking about the Instagram meme that says just follow your heart, that's not what we're talking about, we're talking about the true core of the person, because when the heart is rightly ordered, you will feel appropriately what a situation would be called for to feel, so he gave the example of a man whose wife just passes away, it is totally, completely appropriate for that man to grieve to the core of his being and grieve for a long time, you know, like how many times do we, in our own way of trying, because people's suffering makes us uncomfortable, do we tell, we kind of give people platitudes and we kind of say things, you know, and we're uncomfortable with that. So when our hearts are ordered, my dear friends, it's not that we don't feel things. Actually, it's the, the feeling things and allowing ourselves to be moved toward what is good, true, and beautiful. So say, for example, when somebody's hurt you, when somebody's hurt you, the, that the appropriate emotion would be would sorrow, and it would be anger, the secondary emotion of anger. And how many times have people hurt us and we've said to ourselves, I shouldn't feel this way, you know? And it's our heart trying to tell us something. And what we do, we usually bury that underground, okay? So what might be happening in your life when we talk about what we clutch and areas that we might be stuck in our lives or people in our life that we have a really hard time forgiving? And I do have to tell you this, that I, this is a, a similar talk I give on the second night of my parish missions. And some time ago, I was giving this talk, and the next night, a man came up to me uh, right before the mission began, and he was a little bit older than me and just a little condescending, but he came up to me, and he said, Sister, <clears throat> he said, yeah, that was a good talk you gave last night on forgiveness. He said, um, I just, I don't have anybody to forgive. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, tell me about that. And he said, yeah, I just avoid everybody I don't like. <laughs> and I said, oh, do tell. Like, that's a very interesting story. I said, oh, no, please tell me that story. I'm very interested. And he was dead serious, and this, you, you just can hear how, how much has guarded his heart. Like, you can hear the brokenness, and he says, no, I'm very serious. He says, there are whole races and classes and groups of people and parts of my family that I do not like, and so I simply avoid them. Oh, gosh. And I just looked at him, and I was like, wow, sir, you might want to take a look at that. Like, you might want to look at your heart and see what your heart is trying to tell you. 
And he looked at me, he was like, whatever, and he walked away. I was like, oh, all right, or that. You could do that too. That's if you want to, I mean, like, as Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? You know, and it's usually not. It's usually not. And you could just hear his heart. So, so what's happening, my dear friends? What is the systematic way of what's happening in your heart and my heart? And why do we have such a hard time forgiving? Why is this at the heart of the Our Father? At the very, very heart of it, okay? So here's usually what is happening in your heart and my heart when these things happen. So how does hurt happen in our life? We are hurt when something unjust happens to us. So the biggest hurts come from areas of injustice, something that wasn't fair, which is many times kids are really great because they really call out things that aren't fair. Like, that's not fair. You know, as adults, we don't say that. But many times what's happening, it's, it's about an injustice. So a debt has been incurred, right? So somebody comes and steals your wallet. Somebody comes and you know, steals $100 from you. That's, that's a debt they've taken from you. It's unjust, and it, you didn't deserve it. It's somebody this morning when you're getting ready, you're making coffee, and the kids are running around, and you and your spouse are trying to figure out who's going to take the kids, and your spouse says some unkind, like, kind of cutting comment, you know? And you're like, that, that wasn't necessary. Like, did you really need to say that? Like, that, that really wasn't necessary, you know? And many times if those things aren't dealt with soon after that happens and the hurt is not repaired, then that's when resentment comes to fester. So it's about an injustice and that's something that wasn't fair. Who are the people that hurt us the most? Someone who should have been better to you. Which is why when somebody cuts you off on I-10 and they're going 110 miles an hour, okay, down I-10, and they cut you off and you spill your $7 Starbucks drink all over your lap, okay, because you have to slam on the brakes or something, it's irritating. You know, and you're like, first world problems, but it's irritating. And you're like, oh, what's wrong with that person? Maybe they're just inconsiderate. They're having a bad day. Maybe they're just totally oblivious. They're texting, which is so many people do when they drive on I-10. They text. So I don't know what's happening there. That's one thing. But it's an entirely different matter. And the things that often go the very deepest are the things that are spoken or done or not done by the people closest to us. Okay. These are why we remember things that happen. You know, this is why you, maybe times at family gatherings, you know, we have stories that we tell. Stories are, we're people of story. We love stories. And stories are told, stories were told about you before you were even born. Isn't that interesting? Like when you're in your mother's womb, people are speaking stories over you and, and who you are. It's just very interesting of how that works. And stories have a lot of power. Words have power. And so how many times in our families, maybe there's something that you did that was really dumb when you were 15, okay? And every Christmas, Uncle Tom just repeats that same story over and over and over. And you're 50 now. And you're like, really, that's wonderful. I'm 50 years old now. Do we really have to repeat the same story over and over again? Or we pass down, we put people in boxes, and we pass down certain stereotypes of people, you know? And those things, usually they're laughed off, but they're, they're very hurtful. And they put us in boxes, and it keeps our heart in areas of bondage. And many times what happens is we become very, very resentful, okay? So what happens in this situation is that the pain comes from either love withheld or love withdrawn. So somebody that should have been better to you, that should have given you something that you needed, or they took away something that you needed. And so looking at our hearts and kind of seeing, like, what's happening here, okay, what's going on. So let me just stop for a second and just ask you within your own heart, can you think of an example recently or a long time ago of this very thing, right? When somebody who should have been better to you wasn't, right? Maybe something that um, has been really painful for you was an unjust thing. It wasn't right what they did. And it comes up with a well of emotion, right? And many times what we do is we try to just, we try to run away from that. We press that down or we tell ourselves it's not a big deal or this is our hearts trying to tell us something, okay? So this is something that affects every single one of us. In big ways or in small ways, okay? And it happens to us very often, okay? So I'm just going to hold that thought. And I want you to hold that person there just for a second, okay? Because usually what happens after that, my dear friends, 
what happens after that, after they've wounded us, is a chain reaction. So our first emotion usually is one of sorrow, and many times we don't realize that, but it's sorrow where somebody hurts you, and the first response, even if it's not verbally articulated, is this, I'm so sad they did that to me. It's painful. You know, little kids are, like I said, really ki little kids are just wonderful because they're really good at that. They have little filter between here and here, you know? And I remember I worked at a daycare for a long time, and I, I, I worked at a Catholic school. And we, I have a mission up there in Seattle of the you know, supermarket story. And I was a first grade teacher's aide in one of the classrooms, and one of the kids got into, like, the two of the kids got into some scuffle, like a little boy and a little girl, and there's, like, biting and scratching and all kinds of things happening over here, okay? And I'm like, ooh, that looks pretty bad, you know? And the teacher comes over, and she separates the kids, you know? And she asked Johnny, she's like, Johnny, what happened? He's like, she started it. She's like, great, what happens? He's like, she started it. She's like, okay, okay, what happened? What did you do? I kicked her, but she started it. Okay, all right. I'm not asking you what Sarah, what Sarah did. I'm asking you what you did. I kicked her. Okay, good, not good, but okay, all right? So then she goes to Sarah, okay, Sarah, what happened? Well, I bit him. Okay, so now we're getting somewhere. Now, now we can kind of talk about what happens. And then she's like, you know, gosh, it's just so sorry. I'm sad that you guys got into a fight because you're really good friends and you love to play blocks together. And it'd be really sad tomorrow if you weren't able to play together because this happened. So would you like to apologize to each other? And they're like, no. <laughs> she's like, oh. And she's so great. God bless first grade teacher. She's like, oh, she's like, I'm, I'm sorry that happened. She's like, I... See, I know the two of you, and I know you're really going to want to play together. And if you don't talk about, I mean, she's teaching them life skills. If you don't talk about this and resolve this now, it's going to be really hard to play together tomorrow. So do you want to try again? And they're like, okay. And she said, um, okay, Johnny, would you like to go first? And he looks on all his first grade glory. He looks at Sarah, and he's like, I'm sorry. She's like, okay, um, why don't you try again? Okay. I'm sorry that I kicked you. Okay, okay, thank you. Sarah, and then she's like, oh, that's okay, don't worry about it. And the teacher's like, oh, stop right there. You stop right there. And she said this, and I will never forget it. And she said, did what Johnny did, did what he do, did, what, did it hurt you, what he did to you? And she said, yes, it did. And then she's like, well, then you need to tell him what happened. So little Sarah, first grader, stands up, and she looks at Johnny, and she said, Johnny, when you kicked me, it hurt me a lot but I choose to forgive you. I'm in the corner going, <laughs> like, like sobbing in the corner, you know? Like for her to be able to articulate that, I'm like, she's teaching them life skills because how many of us do that? We're like, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal because it hurts, yes? And we won't always have a chance to talk to somebody. Maybe that's not always even appropriate. But do you see what I'm saying? Like your, your heart is trying to tell you something, okay? So that is the first reaction many times is sorrow and grief. And the secondary one is anger, where they were biting and scratching. Hopefully we're not biting and scratching as adults, okay? But it's how dare they, they owe me something and we're very angry. And they, because we talked about how anger is about something. Now, like we said, if we stop right there, if we stop right there, and we can look at what's happening and look at the appropriate response of anger and the pain. And we can invite the Lord into that. And we can invite other people into that that can help us. Then our emotions begin to work fully. Okay? But very few of us, very few of us had parents when something like this happened to you at school. And some deep wounds happened in your life where you could go home to mom and dad or go home to your best friends and tell them what happened. Very few of us had parents that had the wherewithal to say, why don't you sit down, I want to talk to you. So what, what did they say to you? Okay, what, what happened? And so what do you believe about yourself? Like, what are the lies that you're believing about yourself? Like, what does Jesus say about you? What's the truth about you? Very few of us had parents to be able to do that. 
and most of us are left alone, so to speak, to kind of to kind of meander our way through these things. So usually, what happens is the anger goes underground, okay, and it goes underground, and it either stays underground and becomes covert anger, or just over anger. It becomes rageful and it becomes bitter, and from that time was what we see in a lot of our own hearts and we see in society at large many times are examples of resentment. We're just doing and grudges and hatred and things like that. You know, it's very interesting. Even so, for example, let me just give you just some helpful hints. When we talk about, I talked about it last night, but like the fruit of the tree, like what's happening up here is always being driven by the root down here. So say, for example, you gossip. I know that's hard to believe, but sometimes people do that. So they gossip, and you go to confession, and you're like, hey, Father Bryce, it's me again. I gossiped. And he's like, you again? No, he wouldn't say that. But, you know, he, <laughs> he, I gossiped, okay? And great, because you're picking off the fruit of the tree, okay? But the real question is, my dear friends, to ask yourself when you sin is, why am I doing that? One of the best questions you can ask yourself every single day is to ask the Holy Spirit, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because there's a really good reason why you're doing what you're doing. Because you're not just gossiping out of thin air. There's a whole bunch of stuff attached to that. So let's look at maybe some of what's attached to that. What's attached to the gossip, it could be maybe you're angry at somebody. (laughs) And you can't, you don't have the wherewithal to go to their face and talk to them. So an easy way to do that is to go behind their back. So it seems like it's a way of getting back at them, like a passive-aggressive way of getting back at them. Maybe you're jealous of that person. Or maybe it's somebody that you have a kid in school and you're jealous of the kid. There's a whole bunch of things happening there, okay? And sometimes we pass them off as prayer requests and we shouldn't be talking about stuff like that. It's all this, all kinds of stuff is happening, okay? Or maybe just for a moment, maybe just for a moment you have a little bit of information that nobody else in the group has, right? And you pass that information on and just for a second it feels like you're important and you know. Isn't that interesting? The roots that go down very, very deep in our souls because we can, we can pluck the, the fruit off the tree all day long, and we should, right? We should pluck the, tr- the fruit off the tree, but the fruit will continue to bear fruit as long as the roots are active, yes? So that's when we talked about the heart of who we are. That's why Christ is always going to the heart, always going to the heart. Whatever that is for you, all of us have these areas of our life that we sin. You know, we talk about the seven deadly sins, and we talk about wounds and things like that, and usually we specialize in a couple of them, <laughs> There are patterns in our life, these areas of our story that we have breakpoints in our story where Satan comes to camp out in our story and where we're weak in, our, where we weak in these areas and we keep going to the same thing. It's one of the reasons why we struggle with the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And the really beautiful thing about that, even as difficult as it is, is that is our heart trying to tell us something and it is exactly the place where Christ wants to set you free and to heal you. It is in that very place because our hearts are blueprints, our hearts are opening up. So you and I have a single choice every single time these things happen. We can choose another way or we could choose, you know, for many of us what happens is we choose revenge. Okay, so you might recognize that scene on the right, right? And you know that man is Inigo Montoya, yes, seeing the Princess Bride. And what ha- this is such a great literary pop culture example of what happens in a story and what happens. Inigo Montoya's dad is killed by with a six-fingered man, okay? And so Inigo Montoya spends his entire life preparing to one day meet this man and kill him. And what does he say to every single person that he meets? He says, what? My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Okay, yes. Oh, you've seen that before. Okay, so. And what happens? What happens at the end of the story when what he finally meets the six-fingered man who kills his father? 
and he, they get into a sword fight, and this is the very scene from that. He, he gets into a sword fight, and he has the man pinned up against the wall, and the man is terrified. And the man says, I'll give you whatever you want, whatever you want. What you want, my kingdom? What you want, money? I'll give you whatever you want. Please don't kill me. Oh, it's so poetic. And at that moment, Inigo Montoya takes his sword, and he thrusts the man through. And he says to him, give me my father back. He spent his entire life in this movie, entire life seeking revenge for something that what a debt that could never be repaid, could never be repaid. And how many of us in our life have spent our whole lives doing that, of seeking a debt that cannot be repaid? Or you see something much, you know, in a sense like much more current would be, you know, when our cell phones and things like that, how, how easy it is to fire off a text message or post something on Facebook or something on Instagram. I know for myself, some time ago, I had this situation in my life where somebody, I know this probably doesn't happen to you, it only happens to nuns, but somebody was really irritating me. Okay, I'll just totally admit that. So, and I would just, I would have interactions with this person, we were on this committee, and the person was just so irritating, you know? And I did not have the maturity at the time to go to that person and say, hey, you know what? This is not right. What's happening here? This is not right. What I would do in my own maturity, and this is hashtag nun confessions, okay? What I would do in my immaturity is I would fire off a snarky little text message to one of my friends when this would happen because she knew that person too. So I had an interaction with this person. I'm really irritated, and I pull out my cell phone, and I'm firing off a really snarky little text message to my friend. And at that moment, I hear the Holy Spirit say, don't do that. And I'm holding my phone saying, but this is really funny. She'll really laugh at this. Like, this is a really good one. Like, she'll totally laugh at this, you know. And the Holy Spirit's like, don't do that. And so I fired it off. And as I hit send, I realized that I didn't text my friend. <laughs> oh, it gets better. I sent it as a group text to seven nuns. And so as the message goes out, I see it balloon out to some people like, oh, no, 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 no. And like the line's going out. I'm like, no, 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 You know, and it goes, and it goes all the way out. Woo. And I, my first, my, honestly, my first emotion was one of intense shame. And I sat, I stood there by the window and I was like, I cannot believe I just did that. I can't believe I just did that. And the only reason I can tell you the story with mild embarrassment now <laughs> is because I had a distinct moment that I will never forget where the Holy Spirit came to me and he, like, the Holy Spirit was standing like right here on my left. And the Holy Spirit said in very, in all truth and honesty, but with much love, the Holy Spirit said to me, this is exactly why I didn't want you to do this. This is exactly why. No one ever heals themselves by wounding another, you know. And so what I had to do is I had to go to confession, right? <laughs> but I texted those nuns, oh, God bless them. I texted them back and I said, I'm sorry for what I just did. That was very wrong of me. Please delete that message. I'm very sorry that I did that, you know. And so we think in life that we can kind of get back, you know, we, we think in life we can kind of get back at people, you know, and nothing ever goes away. Like, we don't ever get away with anything. And that's very interesting. I've been listening. I, I know one of the reasons why I really think that Jordan Peterson, God bless him, is so popular in society today, not only does he speak the truth, but he encourages people to take responsibility for their own lives. Like, to own up to your own story. And I was listening to one of his podcasts some time ago, and one of, somebody asked him, like, what have you learned after, like, 25 years of being a clinical psychologist and a professor? Like, what have you learned? And he's purely speaking in a secular standpoint, not Christian at all, like, not saying anything about faith, they said, what have you learned after all these years of working with people and studying and lecturing? 
he says something very profound. He's like, what I learned is this. Nobody gets away with anything. Nobody gets away with anything. And he says, it's useless to hold on to unforgiveness. It is useless to hold on to rage because he's like, you're not doing anybody any favors. He said, even the people that wound you, they don't ever quote unquote get away with it because the human heart is what it is and the human heart seeks redemption, right? Because what happens in our journey, my dear friends, is the suffering in our life, like text messages, (laughs) never go away. There's a great saying in healing circles that says this, suffering that is not transformed is transmitted. Suffering that is not transformed is transmitted. So I can promise you this. I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in the lives of so many people that I've journeyed with, and I see it all the time. Anything that has happened in your life, even when you're a little boy, little girl, right, from, from childhood on, anything in your life that has not been encountered by Christ and where he's not encountering that, and that's a story that hasn't been told, and it's not being redeemed by Christ, that suffering, my dear friends, doesn't go away. We just transmit it on to other people around us. And sometimes we transmit it on in just venom by just lashing out at them in outburst, or we, we transmit it by being hard of heart. We transmit it by being full of contempt because our hearts are in so much pain. What unforgiveness does, unforgiveness gives an illusion of protecting ourselves because we're in so much pain. And like we talked about, that was one of the deepest areas that I had to struggle with in my own journey of forgiveness was because, you know, that's one thing. Somebody cuts you off on the freeway, but when you talk about even like something like text messages or whatever, what, if, what when people wound you very deeply? What about the wounds that almost destroy you? And what if after people wound you, they're not even sorry? Because that's my story. And I have struggled and I've wrestled to the depths of suffering and meaning with life and what this means. You know, and many years ago I had a vision of myself when we know the story very well of the parable, the unforgiving servant, where Peter goes up to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, like how often do we have to forgive? Like seven times, you know? And Jesus is like, no, Peter, <laughs> not seven times, 77 times or seven times 70 times, depending on the translation. And then Jesus tells this very interesting story about this master who calls in the debts of his household And he calls in a servant who owes him what biblical scholars say is a lifetime of wages, has completely, completely mismanaged his master's money. I don't know what he's doing, but he's totally mismanaging the funds. And the master calls in the debt, and he says, pay back what you owe. And that servant falls on the ground, falls on his knees, and he begs for mercy. He's like, please, please, I promise you I'll pay you back. I promise you. And the master knows this man can never pay him back because it's a lifetime of wages. But I love just the, the heart that the, ma- that the Jesus puts into the heart of the master because Jesus tells a story and he says, the master moved with pity, moved with compassion, moved with mercy. He forgives the man his entire debt, his entire debt. And the man gets up, leaves the master's quarters, and he goes out into the fellow household of servants, right? And he finds another servant, a fellow servant, who owes him what biblical scholars say is like six months of wages, so the, the disparity is laughable, a lifetime of wages versus six months of wages. And, he be, and just the visual imagery is so rich, he begins to, he seizes the servant, his fellow servant, and he grabs him by the collar, he begins to throttle him, to choke him. And he says, pay back what you owe. Pay back what you owe me. And that servant falls on his knees and he says verbatim, verbatim what the other servant had just said to the master. And that servant is having none of it. And he orders him to be sold, his family to be sold until the debt is repaid. And the servants in the household, the fellow servants are horrified, horrified. And they go back to the master and they report the master, the whole affair. And that master calls back in the servant. 
And I'm paraphrasing here, but he says to him, what are you doing? What are you doing? I forgave you your entire debt because you asked me to. But this fellow servant of yours who owes you a mere fraction of the amount, him you cannot forgive. And that servant says nothing. Nothing. He doesn't say like, oh my gosh, you're right, I didn't know that about myself. Or like, oh my gosh, yes, I'm so convicted. He says nothing. And I tell you this, I was in religious life many, many years And I was well working on my sobriety and things like that. And I was on my way of healing and restoration. But I had some massive, massive areas of anger and bitterness and resentment that I didn't want to look at. Until one day I saw myself in that parable and I was not the benevolent master, I can tell you that. That I had, I was shocked, I had by the collar of the shirt, the man who'd hurt me the most. And I had grabbed him by the collar of the shirt and I was right in his face, my finger in his face saying, man, you pay back what you owe me. You pay back what you owe me because you owe me. You owe me. And strictly speaking, I can tell you that he does because what he did to me nearly destroyed me. And to this day, I can tell you that he is not sorry at all. And I knew at that moment I had a choice because I did not want to go back to my addiction. I did not want to turn back down that road, and I didn't know what to do. And I just remember that day just releasing my grasp on the collar of that man, saying, I, Lord, I, I don't know what to do, but I can't do this. I, I, can't, I cannot go on like this. You must help me. I can't go on like this. Because I didn't understand that to truly forgive this man and to continue to forgive him, right, in the ways that still needs to happen many times in our lives, it's a journey. Because like I said, many times we have a profound misunderstanding of what forgiveness is, Okay, so forgiveness is not, I'm sorry, I can't read that really well. Forgiveness is not words alone. So it's not just saying, I forgive you. It is not condoning bad behavior, okay? It is not skipping justice. It is not letting someone off the hook. And it is not the same as reconciliation. So many times, that was my fear. If I forgave this man, I'd be like letting him off the hook. Like, and he can't be let off the hook. So I need to make sure that, you know, I am going to continue to, whenever I see him or, you know, just to really wish ill on, thing, on him, things like that. There's a great saying in 12-step meetings that say this, resentment is like drinking a little bit of poison every day and hoping the other person dies. Because after 20 years, after 20 years of hating him, of wanting to seek revenge, of being very broken and clinically depressed and all these different things, who was the one that was still addicted and still broken and still angry? Me. It was me. There has to be another way. Because one of the reasons why forgiveness is such a heroic, it's an act of heroic justice, a heroic virtue, is because it actually requires us to take a full inventory of what happened. And that, my dear friends, is probably one of the most painful parts, is because we have to actually look at the landscape of our hearts and of our souls and see what's there. Somebody texted me a while ago when they were talking about, they had read it in a book that people often hold on to forgive, un, they often hold on to unforgiveness because if they let go of the unforgiveness, they have to face the pain. And nobody wants to face the pain, right? You can offer forgiveness, which is a, a, an undeserved gift. It is a gift of freedom. It is releasing our grasp. It is commending them to God. You can offer that gift to anybody at any time. And they don't have to be sorry. They don't have to be alive. They don't even have to know it. You can offer that gift for them and for yourself at any moment. So it's not, it's not the same as reconciliation. Like we talked about, reconciliation means to come together eyelash to eyelash again. And that is ideal. But sometimes that's not always possible. And maybe the relationship is too toxic. Maybe somebody doesn't want to reconcile. But you can offer the gift of forgiveness at any time. 
at any time. And every single time we do this, every single time we do it, our hearts become more free and our hearts become more soft and we begin to see the other people as God sees them. It's like the facets of our heart. One of my friends told me one time, She's like, you know, your heart's like a, I don't have a diamond because I'm a nun, but like, you know, she's like, your heart's like a diamond, right? And a diamond has many facets on it. And your heart is like a, fa- your heart has many facets. And she's like, Jesus loves you so much. He loves you so much that he's going to come to every single facet of your heart. Every single facet. So this is why sometimes in our life we feel like we're visiting the same thing over and over and over again. And we're not. It's actually the Lord coming to a new place of our heart to, to heal us and to set us free. Um, so if we could talk about what forgiveness is, right? So forgiveness is not, like we said, it's not like letting somebody off the hook or saying that what they did didn't matter. Forgiveness is a grace and a mercy from God. It is the willingness to take a full account of the offense, to take a full account, to pardon the offender, right, to release our grasp upon them and commend the person to God. It is asking God to take care of the situation. It is the willingness to be willing to receive and offer healing and freedom. It is the willingness to be willing. And many times you might be sitting here in your heart right now, and you've probably thought of at least one person that has this story in your life. Maybe somebody that you know you need to forgive, or maybe somebody that as they come into you, even to your mind's eye, you want to avoid them, and you don't want to have anything to do with them. And sometimes in our life we're like, I can't do this. I can't can't forgive. I can't do it. And it's true, we can't do it on our own. And thank God we don't have to do it on our own because the Lord is preceding us and he's giving the grace to do it. So for many of us, the first step is just the willingness to be willing. And I heard one woman give a talk one night. She was talking about how, you know, many times in our life we have these moments where we're here, okay, and we want to get here. We want to go over here and we know this is where we have to go, but we're kind of stuck right here, you know. So maybe here is for you, that you're here tonight. Maybe that's a huge deal that you're even here and amen. Or maybe you have been walking your faith with Christ for a long time, and amen. Or maybe you had just made a confession after a long time, and amen, okay? Or maybe you've fallen, you have an addiction, and you've you know, gotten back up again, you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I, know I, need to, you know, I know I need to heal, okay, and amen, right? But we all know that there's a next step for all of us, and so maybe over here, this is forgiveness. Maybe over here, this is going to a 12-step meeting. Maybe over here, this is going to confession. Or maybe over here, this is having a hard conversation with your spouse that has needed to happen for a long time, right? But... Sometimes we're stuck right here, <laughs> and we want, we want to go here, but we don't really know how to go here. And this woman said, you know what? You can practice this at any time, and I've done it a million times since. She's like, you know, you want to go over here, but you know that this might be scary, and you don't know how this is going to turn out. She's like, did you know? So great. Did you know that you can pray for the willingness to be willing? <laughs> like, Lord, just tonight, give me the willingness to be willing. Just give me the willingness to be willing just to begin to even, and maybe tonight I can't make that step, or maybe this Lenten season, maybe the whole Lenten season is just going here. And amen. (laughs) But where are we going, my dear friends? And where are our hearts locked in such areas of pain and self-protection that they're so closed in on ourselves, and God doesn't stop loving us. He pours his love out upon us, but we can't receive it because our hearts are hard. Our hearts are hard. We will never heal ourselves by wounding another, nor ourselves. So God is showing us a better way. I want to give you an example of this. Maybe you heard of this case. I'm going to show you some footage from it. But about a year and a half ago in Dallas, Texas, there was a case of a police officer who had just worked uh, two shifts. And she was going home at night, and she was on her cell phone. She was completely distracted by her cell phone. You talk about being distracted by technology. She's on her cell phone texting her boyfriend, okay? And she stumbles into her apartment at night, and she sees that there's a man sitting on her couch. 
And out of fear, out of fear, without even thinking of it, out of fear, she pulls out her handgun and she shoots him in the heart and she kills him. Right? Only after that does she realize that she's in the wrong apartment. It's not hers. She was so distracted, she went a floor down. She's in his own house. So she went into this man's house and that is him sitting on his couch. And she's now murdered him. She's immediately arrested, immediately fired, and she's put into jail. To make things even more difficult, she's white, and the man that she has shot is black. And as they look at her Facebook posts and her tweets and some of her text messages, they find that she's posted some pretty racist things. And so you see this whole situation just about to explode, right? A year ago, like six months ago in October, her case finally went to trial, and she was convicted very easily of wrongful death, and she will you know, be in prison for a long time. And the penalty for her crime was up to 99 years in prison. So as you know very well, maybe if you don't know this, that before a criminal is sentenced, before a perpetrator is sentenced, the family has an opportunity to address the perpetrator. And they sit at the witness stand, they sit in front of the person that has taken their family member or wounded them or whatever, and they can say to that person whatever they want to say. And many times you'll hear, you'll see people cry, you'll see people cuss the perpetrator out, you'll see them wish them to hell, you will see all kinds of things happening. But what the, what the family did is the family chose the brother of the man. And he did something even his own family did not know that he was going to do. And he sat on the witness stand and he looked at this woman and he offered her a different gift, right? Instead of rage and revenge, he offered her something else. And you can see from his, his body language, he's very nervous. And you can see him just trying to articulate what he wants to say. And you can see him just pulling on his collar and kind of pouring his heart out to this woman who has murdered his brother. And they've already been through the first Christmas. They've already been through the first Easter. They're, they're, the, the brother's not coming back. He's gone. And then at the end of his talk to her, he asked the judge if he can offer her a gesture of forgiveness. And as the judge allows it, and he offers her the gesture, and if you listen very closely, within several seconds, you hear people start to weep. And that's his mama, right? What this man did, what you're about to see, what this man did went viral around the world of an option of something so horrific, but another way forward. Okay, so here you go. Can we get sound on that, Joseph, please? For how much you've taken... I'll start it again. I don't want to... say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just, I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the things, the bad things you may have done in the past, each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know, I can speak for myself, I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask Him, He will forgive you.
And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. After that happened, um, for the first time in 20 years, the judge left her bench and she went into her own chamber and she got her copy of the New Testament. And she came back to the woman and she gave her the New Testament and she said to her, there's nothing that you've ever done in your life that Jesus Christ can't forgive. And she sentenced her not 99 years, but 10 years. Right? After that happened, people heavily criticized him, saying what a stupid thing he did. Right that he gave into just all kinds of stupidity. And to this day, he defends that decision as the best way forward for the family and for her and for everybody involved. That one act changed the lives of so many people. And I think in our journey, maybe many of us will never have to forgive something like that. But in our journey, my dear friends, every single one of us, right, has an area of our life and we have somebody in our mind that perhaps we've been thinking about or maybe it's ourselves, ourselves that we've had by the collar of our own shirt for so long trying to extract some sort of justice from ourselves. And maybe it's time to allow God to just come and speak to that. Um, honest, and I'm just going to, what I'm going to do from now is I'm just going to kind of lead you through a bit of a meditation if you wish to come with me on that. But before that I want to say that Sometimes what happens in our journey is that sometimes in our heart, in our hurts, we often become very angry with God. 
And we've had, many of us have had experiences where you prayed to God for something and maybe your child still passed away, right? Or maybe you prayed for something and your husband did not get the job that you wanted. Or maybe you had begged the Lord to save something and something, it didn't happen the way you did, that you wanted it to. And many times what happens, my dear friends, is that it just in the same pattern that we can have deep resentment and deep anger toward God. And I think especially for us as Christians, it's really difficult for us to speak about that because we're afraid that somehow God will be offended because we're hurting and we're angry. And I want to tell you today that God is not offended. He's not offended. And during this time of meditation, if you just need to have a conversation with the Lord and to be very honest about your heart and the situation and what's happening, I want you to just go right ahead and do that because the Lord would love, would love to have a conversation with you about that. Okay. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to, you're welcome to gaze upon the cross if you wish or to close your eyes if you wish, but I'm just going to ask if you have anything in your hands to set it down, okay, so you're not distracted. And if you would rather not do this, you certainly don't have to. I'll just ask that you just remain quiet and just intercede for us. Um, because we're on a time constraint, I'm going to, and I can give this handout to Father Bryce so he could you know, distribute it at some point. So I just want to let you know, I'm going to lead you through a series of steps. And if you find that you need to stay on a certain step, I want you to just to go right ahead and do that. Okay, I'm going to continue on just for time's sake. But if you find that you need to stay someplace, I want you to go ahead and just do that. I want you to invite you also to not to self-censor. So you might find that somebody, I do this all the time with people, you might find that somebody comes to your mind that you haven't thought of in a long time. And you might say to yourself, that's so silly. Like, why would I think of that person, right? Let's just trust that that's the Holy, the, the Holy Spirit. That's the person who the Holy Spirit's going to bring to your mind tonight. And you might be surprised about kind of what happens in your journey. It could be somebody living. It could be somebody deceased. You know, it could be yourself in a certain respect of like areas where you need to encounter the Lord's mercy. So I just want to give you just full permission, right, just to allow the Lord to just to speak during this time, okay? So I'm just going to ask you to kind of sit up and take a deep breath, okay? Just let it all the way out. Okay. Jesus, I just ask that you would cover us in your precious blood during this time. That you would keep us safe in your heart. That you would open our hearts to wherever you wish to lead us. And I just ask you, Holy Spirit, that for each one of us in this room right now, that you would bring to mind the one person whom we need to forgive tonight. It could be something big, something small, something recent, something a long time ago, whatever that is. So just ask you, Holy Spirit, that you'd bring to mind the one person whom we need to forgive tonight. I just want to invite you to place that person somewhere in your mind's eye. You can place them far away from you or close to you. But I just want to invite you to place that person somewhere in your mind's eye and just look at them. And just pay attention to what it feels like in your own heart and soul and body just to look at that person. You might find that certain emotions rise to the surface like anger or disgust, and that's okay. Or you might find that nothing comes, that's okay too. But just look at that person and notice how you feel just looking at them. And as you look at that person, I just want to invite you to take an account of what happened. What's the whole story? How did they hurt you? And how has it affected you this whole time? And I just want to invite you to be very honest about that. What did they do? And how did it hurt you? And take a full account of the whole story.
And if you're willing, and for some of us, this is the first time we've ever done this, but if you're willing, I just want to invite you in the safety of your heart here to look at that person and finally tell them to their face what they've done. And you can say, say it to them however you want to say it, but I just want to invite you now to look at that person and finally tell them to their face what they've done and how it's hurt you and tell them the whole story, let it all out. Come, Holy Spirit. And many times what happens in areas of woundedness is that we begin to believe lies about ourselves. So I just ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would bring to mind any lies that we believe about ourselves because of this pain and because of the person who has wounded us. And the lies say things like, I'm stupid, I deserved it, I should have known better, it's my fault, I'm dirty, I can't change. I'm not seen, nobody cares, I'm all alone. So just ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would bring to mind any lies that we believe about ourselves because of this pain. Nobody hears me, I'm not seen. And Jesus, I ask as we surrender these lies to you, these things we believe about ourselves, I just ask right now that for each one of us that you would speak to the truth of who we are even in this pain. Who are we in this moment? Even if it's a moment of deep humiliation, of deep sorrow, Jesus, who are we to you in this very moment of our sorrow? And what do you want us to know about how you love us? And if you're willing, my dear friends, I just want to invite you to bring that person with you to the foot of the cross at Calvary. And you can place that person wherever you want to place them in the scene. You can place them far away in a field. You can place them close to Jesus who hangs on the cross. But would you be willing to take that person with you to the foot of the cross at Calvary? And could you both look at the face of Christ? For his face is one of immense kindness. And he sees you. He sees you. And Jesus knows how deeply this has affected you. And he knows what a pain it is in your heart. And he understands you and he loves you. And his heart is to heal you. And he also knows the person who has wounded you and he knows their story, and he knows why they did what they did, and he loves that person too, and his desire is to bring healing to both of you.
And if you're willing, my dear friends, as you gaze upon the face of Christ as he hangs on the cross offering his forgiveness, I just want to invite you, if you're willing, to on this day, either for the first time or another small step on this journey for you, would you be willing to ask Jesus to forgive that person? That even as the pain and the emotions continue to come out, that's fine. Could you ask Jesus to forgive that person today? So Jesus, I ask that you would forgive that person for they know not what they do. Lord, I ask that you would heal that person. And today, Jesus, I surrender that person to you in a new way. And I ask that you would heal them. Please forgive them, Lord. And if you're willing, my dear friends, could you bring that person in your heart just a little closer to you so you can see their face? If that's okay. And could you look at that person in the eyes because they're a person too. And through the grace of Christ on the cross, which is the only place that we have the power to forgive, would you be willing today to choose to forgive that person? To look at that person and say to them, today through the grace of Jesus Christ, I choose to forgive you. I choose to release my grasp upon you. And I commend you to God himself. I choose this day to release my grasp on this situation and I choose no longer to seek revenge or any ill will. And I commend this person and I commend this entire situation to the heart of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, I ask for your healing and your mercy. Please forgive them, Lord. I choose to forgive them through your grace. And I ask that you would heal us both. And Jesus, as we stand here before you at the foot of the cross, where your love is living and effective even now, I pray that your precious blood would run upon each one of us. And I pray that you would heal us. I pray right now for areas of our life where we've been holding unforgiveness for a long time. I pray for areas of our hearts that have been unspoken. I pray for areas of our hearts that have lost hope. I pray for areas of our hearts that seem beyond the power of your mercy, Lord. I pray for healing and transformation. I pray in this room tonight for a healing of addictions and a healing of depression, a healing of anxiety, a healing of areas of self-doubt, a healing of areas of unbelief where we don't trust you, Lord. I just pray for a healing of marriages, especially every married couple that's here tonight. I pray for a healing, Lord, in their marriage that their hearts would be open to one another, that they would renew their covenant of love in you, Lord, and that you would reunite them. Pray for a healing of families, of parents with their children and children with their, with their parents, and for grandparents and extended families as well. 
just pray for a healing of this parish community at Our Lady of Wisdom, that this parish would be known as a place of healing and restoration. Lord, that your heart would be made known here, your heart of healing and reconciliation. Lord, I ask for a sealing of this time of grace, and we thank you that you are always present to bring us into union with you. And we thank you, Lord, as we pray. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I just want to say to you, my dear friends, um, very gently to you, that what you just did right now is something that you can do at any time. At any time, you can bring somebody to the foot of the cross and through the grace of Christ, even in the midst of deep emotion and deep pain, and that's what has to happen. All of it has to come out, and that's a good thing. That's a beautiful thing. And you can do that as often as you like because what you just did here was not an intellectual exercise or it wasn't just imagining something in your mind. What you did right now literally healed you and healed the person that you brought to the cross today. And what you did right now was one small step forward in reconciliation of your reconciliation with God and the restoration of your family and the world at large. And this is exactly how it works. Let me say this to you. And Tomorrow we're going to talk about freedom and where we go from here. And I've just got a lot of beautiful things for you tomorrow. Well, I just want to share this with you. Is that I only know a little. Like I'm growing as a person and as we go along. And I can honestly say this through the ongoing just necessity of having to go again and again and again and again and again to the depths of suffering and to the depths of forgiveness and to the depths of restoration, knowing that this is the only way forward for me if it could face and confront a lot of things. But I can tell you this. I can tell you this. It's all worth it. It's worth it. And I can stand here before you tonight and tell you that if this journey of my life of such trauma and brokenness is what God has had to do in my life to break my heart open just to love a little bit the way he loves, I tell you it's worth it. And I can honestly stand here before you and tell you today that the man who has hurt me, the man who to this day is not sorry, if I ever, if I ever make it to heaven, I want him there too. Because he's broken And he has no idea, his own journey, I know his story, and he's so broken, he hasn't even begun. And I pray for him, and I fast for him. And I know that God loves him. And that in all this restoration, all the mercy, and all the pain, that still continues to come out, because it's an incredibly painful situation, it is all worth it. And we never go this way alone. So whatever's happening in your journey right now, my dear friends, continue to see it through. Because you are never alone. You are led by the one who loves you. So God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow night. So, so for those who, of course, would like to maybe see Sister, she'll be in the front of the church afterwards. We thank you so much for coming. Uh, we'll be back here tomorrow at 7 p.m. Remember, you can have these two.